Hey, so I want to ask you a question, and this is hypothetical. This is uh, something I've been asking a little bit, and, and, and just think about this. What does it mean to be home? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what is the component of home that makes it home? I asked a couple of our leaders this morning, and some of the things that came out were pretty fascinating, right? I mean, when we think about home, we think about comfort food, right? I, I don't know about you, but when I think about home, it's that the comfort food, the idea of you just being able to just sit back and relax and eat something that's probably not healthy, but something that makes you smile, right? Maybe for you, uh, it is all about being in a place where you can run around in your underwear. This isn't that home, all right? Just want to clear the air, all right? Like, we are, we're, we're family, but that would make the news, and that's not how we want to make the news, all right? Have you ever thought about what is it that makes home, home? Well, one answer I've gotten a lot of is family. It's being around people that love you, being around people that believe in you, being around people that, that know you. In fact, it, it, you could even go to the fullest extent that it's being around people that know even the dark side of you and they still love you. It's being around people that, that find value in you even when you have a hard time finding value in yourself. It's being in a place where you're comfortable, judgment-free. Being in a place where you can just be you. Ultimately, if I were going to have my druthers, if I were going to have my dream, ultimately, I would hope that North Tarrant Church, <laughs> that we would want people to feel at home here. That when you show up, you feel at home. When you show up, you come in and it's like, it's this breath of fresh air, this, <gasps> man, it's good to be here today. That's, that's my hope. That's my dream. When I talk to our volunteers, I'm like, this is, this is what I want to see happen every Sunday morning is, is if you're a guest. And by the way, if you are a guest here today, I want to say thank you. And if, if anything about this didn't ring true, come and talk to me, please. Because this is, this is our aim is we want you to be able to come in here and take a deep breath and, oh, man, it's good to be home. Kick your feet back, relax, enjoy. Uh, come and, and experience, come and be loved, come and understand that you are not alone. But when you look at this, we want people to feel at home at North Tarrant Church. The reality is this home is the operative word, and that's a little bit difficult. Because so many people in our culture today, this is not what they think of when they think of church. In fact, it's quite the opposite. One of the things that I've found is that people think that God feels distant. In fact, God doesn't just feel distant, but ultimately, faith seems irrelevant. In church, well, it's foreign. I've had conversations with so many different people that this is, this is the reality, and you've probably experienced it as well. You're, you're trying to figure out when's a good time. I've got this friend that I'd love to invite to church. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like, you, you finally work up the courage and you invite them. And what happens? The relationship goes awkward. It's like, oh, you're one of those people. You go to church? And they begin to put you in that filter of God feels distant, faith seems irrelevant, and church is foreign. They begin to think about this idea, well, I, I, I realize that you, you've got your thing and I've got my thing. 
And we're just going to not let our things connect. It's just not going to be a reality. That's just not what we're going to do. You've, you've probably experienced that from time to time. I mean, that's the culture we live in today, unfortunately. I've told you from time to time, I jump in the Uber car or have an incredible conversation at Starbucks. I was asked this morning, what time do you show up at Starbucks? I'm like, ah, 5.15-ish. How long are you there? Ah, four hours, five hours till they kick me out, right? Went there this morning. Um, I don't know why. We lost an hour. We lost an hour of sleep, but I still was up at 4.30, and I was like, all right, here we go. Starbucks, let's roll, right? Got my morning cup of joe, read a book, enjoyed life. But it's fascinating. I go in there, and, and it's, it's fun, the conversations, because, you know, you're one of the regulars. In fact, so regular, oftentimes they just, hey, here's your cup of coffee. I'm like, thank you. But it's fascinating because you, you have conversations with people. People begin to ask you, why are you always sitting in that green chair in the corner? What's wrong with you? I'm like, well, I'll tell you what's wrong with me. I'm a pastor that doesn't have an office. I'm like, oh, you just said pastor, right? You've probably experienced that with a neighbor. You're, you're trying to figure out what's going on and you want to invite them or maybe they invite you to come over to your house and you're like, you know, we can't do Sunday for lunch because we've got church right after church. We, you know, we, we oh, you, you, you're one of those people. We have this reality and culture that oftentimes this is what it feels like when we talk about church. But this isn't something that's new. In fact, this isn't something that we just came up with this past week because we've done some research on our culture today and we've realized that in this century, this is the reality, but this was prevalent even in Jesus' day. In fact, in Jesus' day, you had Jews and you had Gentiles and, and the Jews and Gentiles, they had some struggles. They didn't quite get along all the time. And Jesus comes into a culture where absolutely people, God felt distant in that culture. Faith seemed irrelevant in that culture, and church was foreign for people. In fact, for the Jews and the Gentiles, the, the Jews had this temple mount, if you would. This incredible place where the Jews would go and they would experience God. And this is a, a drawing of what the temple mount actually looked like. And, and right the center area right there, that is the, the temple and where the Jews would go in and they would experience, they would go to the church and they would go and they'd get their teachings, they would do the sacrifices, they'd do whatever needed to be done. And this part back here in the back, that would be the, considered the Holy of Holies. That was where God was. And only certain Jews were able to walk into the Holy of Holies. But you know what was crazy? Is there wasn't a single Gentile allowed in that Holy of Holies. There wasn't a single Gentile allowed in any part of this temple. Gentiles were excluded from the temple. Gentiles were allowed to hang out in the outer garden, right? The, they called it the, the, the courtyard of Gentiles. They were able to hang out in the outside, but they were never able to go inside. They were never able to experience this church, this religion. To the Gentiles, absolutely, God felt distant. They weren't even allowed in the temple where God was there. They could only hang out on the outskirts and maybe, maybe get a little bit of the overglow from the Jews that went into the temple. And absolutely, faith seemed irrelevant. And isn't it true? For the Gentiles specifically, church was foreign. That was their reality. And that is a lot of our realities today as well. 
So what do we do with this? How do we handle this? What do we do as a church as we're trying to create this idea that regardless of where you're at, regardless of what you're doing, regardless of what you're going through, that God really is close, that faith really can be relevant, and that church can be home? How do we live this out? Because I've talked to many non-Christians, many people that would, would not necessarily proclaim this idea of, of ever believing in God. And if that's you today, I want to thank you for being here. But at their core, they want God to be, dis- they want God to be close. The God that they really desire, the God that they think should be there is a God that should be for people, a God that is around, a God that helps. And if that is true, then ultimately the people of God should be living with such a desire, such a passion that they are moved by their faith and it's not irrelevant in the sky, but it is an action. It is something that they're doing and because of what they're doing when they come to church, it should feel like home because that's the reality that that. that people that love Jesus live in. So how do we get there? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because Paul's got some pretty cool words to say. Paul, who we've talked about him before. If you you ever have hated Christians, Paul's your man, right? Paul hated followers of Jesus. In fact, to such a degree, he got papers written to go ahead and get rid of all followers of Jesus. And then he became one, and that just changed his game completely. So he went all over and trying to create these expressions of the local church. And specifically, he got the chance to really reach into a lot of Gentile areas. And one of the letters that he wrote to the church at Ephesus, we're going to look at today because there was this battle that we see between the Jews and the Gentiles and Paul spoke into it because Paul was passionate about bridging the gap between Jews and Gentiles, making them one, making them one family, making church home. So Paul picks it up in Ephesians. He's writing this to the church at Ephesus. He says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised. Um, I imagine that was a derogatory term. I imagine he's pulling out some old emotions. Remember? (laughs) Remember how the Jews used to call you, oh, the uncircumcised. You walk on the bus and everybody's snickering. Oh, look, it's the uncircumcised one. I mean, which is kind of odd, right? Like, how dare you call me that? Like, you can't even talk. Anyway. Who are these Gentiles and called uncircumcised? He's bringing up that emotion by those who, are call, who call themselves the circumcised, by those who call themselves the privileged, by those who call themselves um, worthy, by those who call themselves better than you. Paul's speaking into that. And, and isn't that true in our culture today? You can change the pronoun. You can change these names, if you will. But to a large degree that... Remember when you were separated. Remember when you weren't together. Remember, remember, remember. Well, Paul does some more remembering. He says this, remember that at that time when when you were called uncircumcised and you were called circumcised, when when y'all were separated, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. You weren't allowed in the temple. You weren't allowed anywhere near. Excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. You you remember this, Gentiles? You remember when this was a reality? But isn't it true that it wasn't just true of the Gentiles? It's true of us today as well. I mean, we can think about a time when we felt separate from Christ. 
when we felt excluded from the people that loved Christ the most, when we felt like we were foreigners and there's no way we can even begin to step in, there's no way we can find a place to belong, because of what I've done, I feel like a foreigner and ultimately without hope. That, that is prevalent. That is something that, how can we feel separated from a God that, that loves us and wants us to build our life on the firm foundation of his love? And yet, yet even the Gentiles felt it and people today feel it all the time. And in fact, many of us probably feel that separation, exclusion, even at times without hope. So what's the point? Good thing you ask, because Paul says, but now, but now, in other words, there was a time when you were excluded and separated, but now, let's bring it all to a point, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who were far away, you who once were separated, excluded, were not allowed in, you have been brought near. I love that. It means it's nothing about what you did. You, you didn't do anything to earn this. But through Jesus Christ, through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he has done something to bring us near. Which, when you think about that, we once were far away and we have been brought near. Which means there's nothing I can do to earn it. Which means there's also nothing I can do to exclude myself from it. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ for, and he continues on, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, the, the Gentiles and the Jews, the, the Gentiles and the Israelites, the, the uncircumcised and the circumcised. He's made them one, the two groups are one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. I love that picture, that through Jesus Christ, the barrier, the, the, the broken, the wall that divides, the wall that keeps you from being you and you over there, there's something that Jesus did that destroyed the wall, and he himself is our peace. Yet so many times there's hostility in that. We look at other people and we begin to think, I'm better than, or I could never be, I can't believe they would, or, man, I wish I, I wish I could turn back time. I wish I could go back and undo the decision that I made. I wish I could undo this, and, and because of that struggle, that tension, right, we feel that there's this invisible wall that Jesus came to destroy the wall of hostility, for he himself is our peace. And he goes on, he says, this is his purpose, you ready? It was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And he goes on and says, in one body to reconcile both them to God through the cross. He's, his goal, his purpose was to bring both groups together as one family, as one body, as one joint community through the cross, through the, 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 the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because of that, broken down the hostility, through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. I love the reconciliation side because the Jews and Gentiles, neither one of them were perfect, right? 
There, there was reconciliation needed on both sides. In fact, if you want to look at what that looked like, go to Acts 15. There's an incredible chapter that's all about the very first church business meeting. I know some of you are thinking, oh, why would I even read about a church business meeting? That seems so boring. But it's fascinating, the insight. They, the, the leaders of the church come together and they say, there's some reconciliation. There's some things that you need to, to do to reconcile the two together. And there's some things that you need to ease up on to reconcile together the two so that you can be one. So you can be one family. So you can be one incredible movement. And in one to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He goes on and he says, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for through him, we both have access to the father. <laughs> I love that. Through Jesus, we have access. And, and Paul is sitting there saying, it's, it's not just the Jews. You've grown up in a culture where you thought the only people who had access to God were the Jews, and you were the, the second-class citizens that are hanging around in the courtyard of Gentiles, and that's all you get. That's your lot in life. And Paul's saying, guess what? You who once were far away, you are now brought near so that you can have access to the Father, that you can have access to, to spend time, to engage with, to to have the joys of a relationship with God. And he goes on and he says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. <laughs> you, regardless of where you come, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. You who... You're no, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. I love that reality. That there's something about being a follower of Jesus that should, be, that should be exciting, that should be appetizing, that when people see there should be a jointness, there should be a unity, there should be a peace that we fight for, there should be this desire that because of what Jesus has done for me, I can have access to God and I want others to come with me. You see, consequently, we once were strangers, foreigners, but now we're members of his household. And when I look at where we're at today, the good news is, is this should not be the case. God should not be distant. Faith seems irrelevant. This, my, my prayer is that this would never be the case and that church is foreign. Because I believe wholeheartedly that when we, when we get this right, when we begin as a church to fight, when we begin as a church to do what God has called us to do, that our community is going to see not that God feels distant, but that God is close. A community that experiences this idea that God is close, it's a community that is genuinely for people. Because I genuinely believe that God is for people and that God is for you. And that God is for you. And that God is for each and every one of us in here. It's not just that God is close, but that faith is relevant. Yet, so many times we look at this big word faith and we're like, what does that even mean? But as a follower of Jesus, I believe that faith 
it should, it should be the barrier. It should be, not the barrier, it should be the lens through which we see life. Faith, individuals that are walking in faith, they should be individuals that are categorized by the fruit of the Spirit, this confidence in God. And why do I have confidence in God? Because I've got peace and joy and patience. Despite the circumstances of the last week, the last month, I find patience to endure. I find kindness even though I don't agree. I find kindness even though I'm struggling. It's through faith that we make wise decisions, that we begin to look at our finances, we begin to look at our friends, we begin to look at our lifestyle a completely different way as we begin to say, okay, what is the wise thing for me to do in this scenario? In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? And as faith becomes relevant in our lives, people begin to see and they're like, okay, why did you do that? Why did this decision ring so high on your radar? Why would you spend money that way? Why would you be friends with them? And all of a sudden there's curiosity. And I love curiosity because it leads to an openness to change. God is close. I believe God is for everyone. Faith is relevant. I believe it should, it should be a relevant piece of our life that dictates our decisions. It dictates our livelihood. It dictates who we are. And when we live these two things out, church feels like home. It feels like a place where regardless of who you are, regardless of where you're coming from, you can find a seat at the table. You can belong even if you don't believe the things we talk about you can belong because you've got a group of people that are in your corner fighting with you and fighting for you because we believe that God is for you we believe that faith is relevant and we believe that church should feel like home that drives me when I have conversations with people and this is their, re when they begin to say that faith is, that God is distant, I, I get it. Because people wearing a microphone and yelling at people all the time, they have, they have created this idea that there's a barrier between the people and, and, and God. They've created this idea that faith is this obscure thing in the sky that, hey, you'll never be able to attain, you'll never be able to get to, but you just need to keep fighting and you need to get more of it. How do I get more of it? Uh, just keep praying. How do I do? What in the world? And so then we get in this cycle, right? Where it's like, hey, you just need to have more faith. Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, God must be distant because he's not answering my prayers. And you come back to the church and you're like, oh my goodness, I, I can't live that out. You're telling me to do one thing and there's no way I can live this out. You're, you're telling me that I just need to pray more. I need to have more faith. I don't know how to do that because God seems distant and faith is not relevant. And so what happens? Church seems foreign. I don't ever want us to get to a point where we're creating an environment that, that makes God out to be this distant God that doesn't care for people. And that we're living this obscure faith out that if you just say the right words, everything's going to be good. Because if that is our mentality, church is going to be foreign forever. I'm floored by you. Because you get it right. I'm floored by the fact that so many individuals would so regularly give of themselves to help us create these environments. 
I'm floored by the fact that, that, that there's countless adults that every single Sunday morning wake up at the crack of dawn to come and set up these environments. I'm floored by the fact that there are kids right now running around in their pajamas. And they're running around in their pajamas with Wombaland leaders that are reminding kids from an early age that God is close. That are reminding kids from an early age that you can have joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. And they're telling it to me. I'm like, I don't like that one. Self-control. Don't you wish that was just not in the fruit of the Spirit? Life would be so much easier. But, and I love the fact that we've got Wombaland kiddos right now that are right over there in their pajamas. Nothing says home like your pajamas. I'm so grateful for the fact that we've got small groups that are meeting all over the area where adults can sit in, they can jump in, they can explore their faith, they can ask those difficult questions because ultimately at home is where you ask the difficult questions. You've been to the Thanksgiving table. You ask questions and maybe it's political, maybe it's religious, whatever, but you've been in that conversation where somebody had the the freedom to ask the difficult question. You're like, oh, shut up. I'm not going to answer that. Regardless of what's standing up. Like, I want to create a space where we can have the hard conversations about faith I don't want to create a space where you just have my faith. If we create a space where you take my faith, then we are going to lose this culture. Because God is for you, not through some holy man with a microphone. Faith is relevant, not just because you need to pray more. And I really believe that church should feel like home. That's why. At the end of the day, when I begin to think about what can we do, how do we gauge our environments, how do we critique what's going on, how do I try to figure out what does it look like, I want you to feel at home at North Tarrant Church, regardless of where you're at. Because when we get this right, it is our volunteer's smile that reminds you that God loves you. When we get this right, it is the songs we sing that remind you through the course of the week that there is a foundation of love that I can build my life upon. When we get this right, you'll begin to realize that you have access to God. You'll begin to realize that Jesus really did break down the wall of hostility to bring us together as one. And you'll begin to realize that there is the spirit that lives inside of us that will begin to dictate and help us through life, help us make wise decisions. When we get this right, there's something contagious about it where people will begin to look at you, trust you, be curious about you, and ultimately be open to this idea that God is for them. And that God loves them too. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for engaging in this journey with us. I want to thank you for helping us create a home for you, a home for my kids, and a home for our community. I love it. I love where we're going. And I'm so grateful to have you 
opening the doors. I'm so grateful to have you a part of something bigger than I could ever imagine. So, would you join me as we do everything we can to ensure that everybody walks in our doors feels at home at North Tarrant Church?